0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Liam Gallagher. He serves as Senior Minister of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. Dr. Gallagher, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's always a joy.
0: Well, it must be uh, an exciting time at your church um, as we're approaching Palm Sunday, which is tomorrow, and This whole general time uh, leading up to Easter is just a marvelous time for God's people. I was wondering if you could talk with us a little bit about um, the life of the Church and uh, as it relates to Palm Sunday and Easter also coming up.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that there there are whole segments of the Church that have, from the earliest days really, planned out a kind of Christian year. And... uh, we're familiar enough with Christmas Incarnation. It probably wasn't one of the first ones in the Christian year. Uh, the prize goes to Easter for being the earliest uh, point at which the Christian Church recognised and re- reminded itself year upon year of the death of Jesus and his resurrection. And it was easy to it was easy to place it because it was at Passover time. Jesus was crucified, and so therefore. If you just correspond to the Jewish Passover, then you know when that's going to be each year, and uh, and so that that became established really as part of the church year, which is a bit of useless history really, but it's interesting uh, to some people. <laughs> um, <laughs> but seriously, uh, the uh, I, I guess our church is the same as most churches by the by the time you get to this point with Easter on the horizon. There's been a lot of work and activity and thought been going into how we celebrate this year the resurrection of Jesus Mm -hmm. and and put his death into perspective. Uh, Because in many ways that's the heart of the Gospel. Paul says when he's writing to the Corinthians we preach Christ crucified. Uh, Foolishness to the Greeks, a stumbling block to the Jews, but the power and wisdom of God for our salvation. And so therefore, the the things that we are considering are at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. So where does it, it all fall out? And I suppose it falls out in this respect, that uh, on Palm Sunday, we typically think, here we are celebrating the arrival of Jesus as the Messiah, and there is this... Popular movement in Jerusalem. Expectations are running high. Passover is a major feast. People have been hearing stories about Jesus of Nazareth. He has, by and large, kept himself out of the public eye in Jerusalem, avoided any major public demonstrations or gatherings there. His ministry has been largely concentrated in the north in Galilee and in the towns around Jerusalem. But he's famous. Everybody's talking about him. So there's an element of expectation and excitement. And he chooses. He deliberately stage manages the whole event himself. He tells the disciples to go and get a coat. For some reason, that's already been planned. Who planned it? We don't know. But the plan (laughs) is known to the person who owns the coat. So then these guys come to the door and, Knock the door and say, the master wants the colt, but you plan, the guy gives him the colt of the donkey. And and he and his disciples go into Jerusalem, they come down the Mount of Olives, he's riding this colt. Uh, it would seem in Congress to have this big man sitting on this small little animal, because it's a foal of a donkey. A donkey's small enough, and the foal is smaller still. Oh, yeah. And 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 yet and yet in Congress, I mean, you can just imagine. Uh, you know, Jesus was a, probably a big, strapping man, uh, been a carpenter. He was, we, we know from the sufferings that he endured that he was physically strong to endure what he endured. And so, you can I, can, I just imagine his legs having to <laughs> apart, <laughs> avoiding touching the ground <laughs> on the fall of the donkey, and and trying to kind of maintain his balance there as he comes down the mountain. I mean, that's quite hard. Coming down the mountain on the back of a horse, so a mm. big horse, by this, So there would be the element of the comic, I think, uh, but there was also the element of uh, surprise in that this is the way that a king would come. If the king was coming in peace to a city that he was visiting, or back to his own city after he'd been out at war, he's coming home. He's sending a signal. I have not come in a war charger I haven't come on a chariot I haven't come in in anger. I have not come to make war. I'm come in peace yes that's the signal that his body language is sending out as he comes mm. and then and then there's this the crowd of people waiting for him so on told that they cut down palm branches that have been mentioned in the old testament uh it was a symbol of celebration of the king and so on. And and then they start they start saying, Hosanna, save us, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and and they they they're quoting from the Old Testament, language taught, spoken about the Messiah coming in the name of the Lord. They they call him the, the son of David, they they give him royal honors, they treat him like a king, they they cast their palm branches before him. It's the way that a lover puts down rose petals and wants his beloved to walk in the rose petals. I don't know if you've done that. I haven't done that, but you know, I can <laughs> imagine somebody somewhere has done that. And uh, here they put the palm branches down to, as a signal you know, he's the king and he deserves to come into town on a carpet of, of leaves rather than on the rough stones and so on. So it's all a very grand gesture. It's an amazing gesture. And yet... That very public welcome disguises the fact that in, effectively, the next day, the day after that Sabbath, Jesus himself is going to talk about both their final rejection of him and his final rejection of them. Mm. John John talks about that in his gospel, in John 12, where... Uh, Jesus withdrew from them and it says that he no longer spoke in public to the people, he no longer spoke to them and that for John that's a very significant thing it means that he's not speaking to them, it's his withdrawal of his favour and the withdrawal of his word of promise and his withdrawal of the offer of life which he's been giving to them for the last three and a half years mm-hmm. um, It's a a solemn moment. And it becomes even more solemn still when we consider that that crowd of people who welcomed him into the city were among the people who just a week later are baying for his life and are crying, crucify him, crucify him, whether they were put up to it by the authorities or not. They're cooperating with the authorities and they are reversing everything they said uh, on the day when they welcomed him uh, into the into the city, reversing everything they'd say. Instead of, save us, they're saying, crucify him. Yes. Uh, and there's this kind of juxtaposition in what's going on. Here. So I suppose when we come to Easter, we, we, we see the, the greatest tragedy in history, which is the rejection by Jesus of his own people. In John's words in John 1, he came to his own place and his own people did not receive him. And that—that that is a tragedy. And yet, hidden in the tragedy is an, an enormous blessing for us because the rejection by the Jews opened the door of life to us Gentiles mm-hmm. uh, and uh, made it possible for us. Yes, to come, to come to know God through, through His Messiah,
0: Jesus. It's an amazing picture. You you've described it well. Um, this this man, uh, this carpenter Jesus, sitting on this 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 foal. Um, it's uh, it, it's it must be very humiliating, you know, to the average person uh, to to say, well, I I'm not worthy of uh, some. Giant horse or a chariot or whatever. I'm just going to sit on this very humble uh, foal, and um, um, I'm just I just am impressed with what he chose there. You know the the king of the king of the ages uh, on that little animal, mm. and also um, it's amazing too. You've brought out the fact that the people welcome him, and then uh, about a week later. Um, they're calling for his execution, and how what a reminder it is to me of how fickle um, I can be, how fickle my emotions can be. And they can be um, for God on Sunday as I hear his word preached, uh, partake of communion, and so easily and quickly tripped up during the week uh, that follows. Yes. Uh, so, um, Palm Sunday is tomorrow. How does um, how does your church celebrate Palm Sunday, Dr. Gallagher? Let's say during a year where we don't have the COVID-19 virus restrictions. We're talking with Dr. Liam Gallagher, Senior Minister of 10th Presbyterian. Uh, do you guys have special music? Do you have palm branches?
1: Uh, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> the palm branches. Um, yeah, we, uh, there's more involvement by the children, uh, I think it's very important that the children think about these major events like Easter, Christmas, Easter, Palm Sunday, and so on, yeah. that may, to make them memorable, different from a normal Sunday, doing things that they don't do normally, so that, that when they think of those, they think of celebration, they think of joy, they think of amen. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are these are our high and holy days. These are our yeah. happy days. These are great days of the church, and we need to make them that for our children. So there's a lot of Caretaking to involve them, and, uh, and they're participating in various parts of the worship as well. Uh, yeah, so that's very important, I think. And that's, I think, for the children particularly. These these opportunities are very significant.
0: Yeah, I'm reminded of the fact that Jesus would say, uh, "Suffer the little children to come unto me, and and forbid yep. them not. For if such is the kingdom of heaven."
1: He would never. He would never exclude children. No, from gatherings where he was, he loved them being
0: there. He did, yeah. And we've all—well, not all—but you and I and others have raised children uh, with our wives. They—they, they, my wife bore the the brunt of it, I think. But the child trusts the parents so much. Um, parent says, you know, this is good for you. Okay, you know, I'll just do it, right? And and yeah. you know, when they're so young, they're just so trusting. And they need that parent to, to bolster them up and protect them. And that indeed is a wonderful picture of, of the kind of trust that, that we are to have to the mm. Lord Jesus. Absolutely. Well, um, you have uh, served other pastorates, I believe, uh, besides being at 10th Presbyterian. You, you were uh, a minister in Ireland and Canada and London and and certainly mm-hmm. your your native land, Scotland. Um did people celebrate Palm Sunday and Easter in, in those other venues?
1: Yes, yeah. When I was in Scotland, we used to get the kids to come down the aisles. Uh, at the end of the service, the kids would come down the aisle with palm branches, waving them and so on, and, uh, and, and singing and uh, clapping and, and just kind of really entering into it. And then on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday, after we'd finished singing you know, the, one of the great resurrection hymns at the end of the service the children would be coming in and they would let off these pop- poppers you know these poppers that <laughs> pop open and things are, and the streamers are going everywhere and so on, just to kind of highlight the fact that this, you know, Christ has risen from the dead, this is something to party about, you know, this is something yeah. to enjoy I mean, it's, uh, uh, um, and, and it's kind of a, and a symbol, you know, there's nothing religious about it <laughs> so we finished the service but uh but there was a, the ki- the kids could come in and just do something they 'd never done in church before you know <laughs> and uh, and that that actually that actually I know from the input of the parents you know the, the children really enjoyed that and it it kind of etched that day in their minds. this is yeah. the day that we are really glad as Jesus goes from the dead yeah yeah
2: yeah,
0: yeah. and it's um it's, it is almost symbolic because when when Jesus <laughs> Jesus rises from the dead. That is like a, a, theologically, that's like an atom bomb going off in history.
1: Yeah, it's, it's the beginning of the new creation. It's already started. Yes, God's big forever plan for the new creation started with Jesus, who's the first fruits. Right. Then it's and his resurrection, his resurrection body, which we are going to have resurrection bodies like his resurrection body we are going to look like him mm. uh, in his resurrection body, which is an incredible thing, you
0: know? Oh, yeah, it is. You know, the other day I got a, a note that was sober, joyful, and sad at the same time. A little tiny note from a listener, and this um, dear listener wrote, um, I'm going to be going home soon. I turned 90 later this year. And at first, when she said, "I'm going to be going home," I thought, "Well, I wonder where she's going and i realized, oh my goodness she's yeah. she's anticipating uh going with her lord uh not not yeah. not long from now, and this yeah. is can you talk to us about the hope that a Christian has as as we age as we get closer to that final home going
1: yeah i think I think that we, we we don't talk enough about this I think we're which is interesting, I think an older generation used to sing a lot about going home. Yes. And My father used to sing, when he was sitting by the chair by the fire, he used to sing hymns a lot. One of the hymns he used to sing was one day, one day the silver cord will break. Oh yes. And I know more as now will sing. But all oh, the joy when I awake within the palace of the king. And, uh, Or or we would sing about the second coming, about the Lord Jesus, that maybe at morn when the day is awaking, when sunlight through darkness and shadow is breaking, that Jesus will come in the Mm. fullness of glory and receive from the world his own. We sang about these things because they were on people's minds, because people's lives, I think, way back then, and many of them had been through the Second World War. Life was uncertain, life was brief or members of their family and so on, you bet. and so the reality of death hung upon them. So, if we fast forward then to the question you asked about people today who are getting older, I mean, I, I often think now that the major, <clears throat> the major issues in my life—I've kind of gone through them all, um, right—and that the big, the big thing that lies ahead is the last enemy: it's death. Yeah, and we we look forward to that uh, final battle with pain and with the grief of leaving,
2: <clears throat>
1: and the only way that we can really face that is if we focus our minds on not only the pain of leaving but on the joy of gaining. Uh, when Paul says, "You know, to gain Christ," when we when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. Amen. Uh, and and that that is the beginning of life. D.L. Moody once said, one day you're going to read in the newspapers that D.L. Moody has died. I want you to know that on that day, I will be more alive than I am now, (laughs) you know, with the Lord. And we need need. you know, when Paul Paul's writing about Second Coming, and he's he's talking about the, the Lord descending, the trumpet sounding, the dead in Christ were being raised first, and then the rest of us who are alive and remain caught up to, together with them so that we're all one together with the Lord. You bet. He says, encourage one another with these words. Mm. In other words, repeat this to each other often. Keep telling one another, this is what's coming, and, and being encouragement to one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Mm. And, uh, and I think one of the great responsibilities and joys we have is to do what you've asked me to do and that is to talk about that great day and I think I think probably practically as we get older we have to reduce the number of issues that we have to deal with in relation to God so a proper spiritual accounting in terms of other people I need to be reconciled with well I need to make an effort before it's too late to reach out to them maybe to apologize even if I've forgotten what it was I needed to apologize for but in order to, to to be reconciled to those I've been I'm out of fellowship with mm-hmm. and just beginning now to keep the accounts short mm-hmm. and deal with them and and be thinking more and more and learn some old hymns with words that you can memorize And fall back on when you can't talk, and you can't be at church. Mm -hmm. So that in your mind, you're able to replay these that build up your spirit and give you joy.
0: Mm. When God's people meet for worship, they also partake of the Lord's Supper uh, during various times. Um, That is a great blessing, and uh, God uh, meets his people there, doesn't he?
1: He does. It's one of the greatest treasures, and we don't, we don't perhaps appreciate or value it as much as we should. Hmm. Um, I think the silence and the physical element of breaking the bread and taking it to ourselves, eating it, uh, the reminder that we're to do this until he comes, Mm-hmm a reminder that what's ahead of us is a feast, and that these are the rations along the way, <laughs> we're, that we're on a pilgrimage, we're going somewhere, we're going somewhere all together. That's why it's great to be with the church. Mm. Some, some will get there before we do, and we're all going there all together, and we're going home. That's where we're headed. And we're on the pilgrimage here. We're sojourning here, but our home is is
2: there in glory,
0: where Christ is. Mm. You, know, you know, I, I just want to go back to one thing that you mentioned that is so very important, that is uh, reconciliation with others. You know, we're reconciled to God, but um, sometimes these things um, get built up and uh, fester, um, relationships fester uh, between individuals. Um, that reconciliation, it seems, is really important.
1: I, I think it is. I think it's very important for yourself as well, the, the person that you're being reconciled to.
0: Yeah. Now um, we have a couple minutes left. Um, Palm Sunday is tomorrow. How might a person prepare their hearts for worship tomorrow um, this evening? What would be some some wise things for them to do? And this year, of course, many of the worship services are remote done with us not physically in a building with our brothers and sisters and yet we're using our computers and yet we are connected.
1: I would I would read over the passage passages that talk about first entry. I would read perhaps a couple of chapters from John's Gospel, uh eleven twelve. And I think I, I think a prayerful desire that God would speak to us and that he would use that he would use this Lord's day particularly to draw people to Himself. Uh, that there would be a converting work done. We don't pray enough we don't pray enough, I don't think, when we're looking forward to Sunday, that that God would do a converting work through mm. his work among us. Yes. And and he he wants us to be explicit when we pray and the things we ask for, right? I'd urge people to be asking that. Pray that the word of God as it goes out, doesn't matter how good the pastor is, doesn't matter how radiant in the pulpit or not, that word in itself is the vehicle through whom the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus do their work in the hearts of men and women. And we trust that, we believe that. We should pray
2: for that. Mm.
0: Well, that's blessed. Well, thank you very much for taking your time today. Uh, I've been talking with Dr. Liam Gallagher, uh, senior pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And I know this doesn't apply right now because of the virus, but um, Pastor Gallagher, if someone is in your neighborhood and they want to attend your worship service, what time is your service?
1: We have two services one at 9 and one at 11.
0: 9 and 11. Okay, good. I remember it wasn't too long ago. My wife and I were there, and we sat up in the balcony, and um, it almost made me dizzy to be there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I would want to sit in the balcony, actually. It's scary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's a beautiful church, and uh, thank you so much for taking your time today and joining us. I know you're a busy man, and Dr. Gallagher, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer